From RTE News, welcome to Core Values. I'm Carla O'Brien, and after a year that has changed how we live, this is the show that takes a look at what we really value. I'll speak to people in Irish public life about what parts of their lives are now most important. If you are in a position to share your experience or your feelings or what's happened to you, that's kind of the most powerful thing you can do because loneliness is at the root of so much of our problems as a humanity. My guest today is the broadcaster Louise McSharry, as well as being heard on weekend mornings on RTE's 2FM. The author and beauty columnist has written a best-selling memoir sharing her experience with cancer, her childhood and her path to body confidence. She lives in Dublin with her husband Gordon and their two sons. How am I finding you today, Louise? Um, I'm pretty good today, although... (laughs) I find that anytime I look at my like calendar and it says that I have to leave the house for more than one thing these days, I'm like, oh God, I can't face it. Um, so I've definitely become kind of acclimatized to being at home and doing my jobs in my pajamas at home. Um, but no, I am good. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and what are you valuing today? I am valuing today, um, you know, I'm valuing time. I got to sleep this morning because my husband and I take turns getting up. Our two-year-old is um, really going through a very early rising phase. Um, so when I have my morning off, as I call it, which just means I get to sleep a little bit longer, I always feel like I've got time to kind of move around peacefully through the house as opposed to the absolute mayhem that is existing when I'm up with the two kids. It can be an assault on the senses having to get up that, you know, just the noise level, the activity. It can be a lot first thing in the morning. Yeah. Like we're lucky because Ted, the two year old who gets up really early, um, Sam Sam now will sleep until six, which is actually progress for us. Um, But Ted likes he like he wants to be up but he likes a good half an hour of like quiet time on your lap and having a bottle so that's I I I really appreciate that (laughs) that he's not kind of all all guns blazing from the get-go because Sam has always been like the minute he's awake he's like yeah let's do this let's make Lego let's blah 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 and I'm like oh you have got to give me like two minutes to even just breathe (laughs) I know and do you need anything now first thing in the morning to, to help you through that no, I don't really. I, I'm like, I've never really been. Actually, I never drank tea or coffee until I met my husband. Um, and then he's a big tea drinker. So I started drinking tea with him. And but I still wouldn't really kind of make it myself. And I wasn't really ever that into coffee until actually the pandemic. <laughs> and then um, I found he my husband was making coffees and I started having them too and he's gotten to be really good at iced coffees so at the moment those are my treats so some mornings if he's made I won't make it obviously but if he's made some iced coffee and it's in the fridge I'll I'll have one of those but no I'm pretty I'm pretty low maintenance in the morning to be honest and I'm lucky because I do I, like you know I think some people really struggle to wake up in the morning and um, I wake up right away like once I'm awake I'm awake I'm ready to go but I will be falling asleep by like 9 30 p.m and like that's how my body works Um, what is your most valued possession (sighs) well now this is terrible but it is my phone (laughs) or my laptop um I just I I am joined at the hip with them one or the other is in my hand basically all the time it's not a good thing I don't think but it is the way that it is like I think everything else could go I'm not very sentimental about things and I think that's partially because I 
I kind of changed family in mid-childhood. I was adopted by my aunt and uncle when I was seven and I didn't really have anything from when I was small. Um, you know, there were one or two things, but uh, our belongings like kind of went missing. So I don't have things that are very old, if you know what I mean. And that I think kind of like removed any sentimentality around stuff for me. So I'm not really a stuff person, but um, by God, I need to be on the internet. <laughs> Well, it's that connection, isn't it? It's a, con yeah. it's a connection for work, family, yeah. you, know, you know, really important things. Yeah. And I just I like really have a kind of insatiable need to know what people are talking about and what's going on in the world. Um, and sometimes I need to intentionally kind of disconnect from that. And I've done I think I've done a, a, a decent job of that over the last couple of years. But, um, you know, I hate not being in on the conversation. So like say if everybody's talking about a TV program, I, I have to watch the TV program because I can't stand not getting the references. Um, yeah. And all of that is is connected to kind of being online, I think, and having access to what everyone's talking about and what everyone's thinking about. And I just I'm fascinated by that stuff. So there goes the computer and the laptop. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. What part of your life? So over the past year and a half, what part of your life has lost its value or seems to be worth a lot less to you, given the experience? Um, oh, I think actually it is like stuff, you know, like I shopped online a fair bit um, during the pandemic because just to kind of feel alive, I think. But, you know, I have these like wardrobes of clothes. I'm looking at them right now and I have such beautiful things, but like I had nowhere to wear them to. Yeah. So they became kind of kind of pointless or meaningless. And also sometimes even just a kind of a reflection of looking for fulfillment or excitement or something from somewhere that wasn't going to give it to me um you know I remember at the start of the pandemic buying things and thinking oh I can't wait to wear this and like they still haven't been worn because life hasn't gone back to the way that it was um but having said that like I I went to a friend's like back garden wedding party over the weekend and I got dressed up and it felt like I was myself again you know so yeah. I suppose those things will will be valuable again um but I think yeah, I think it's mostly that kind of stuff. It's it's the the stuff really. Um because I think what what I learned from the pandemic was that, you know, really time and headspace and like feeling safe are the most important things that you can have and there's no, you know, you can't replace those with any kind of physical things. And mm. what you're saying about that perhaps potentially sentimental things in your life mm. don't exist given the experience that you've had. And then what you're saying now that, the you know, you're not into material things. Well, it's funny because I am and I am not <laughs> I'm kind of contradicting myself because I sure do love buying things. But then I think at the end of the day, if you don't have anywhere to wear them to or you don't have anything to do with them, then what's the point, you know? Um, what I like it? to have the things, but I could walk away from them, no problem. <laughs> yeah. And what is it about the actual activity of buying that you like? I think it's the fantasy. It's thinking about where you're going to wear it, how you're going to feel at that thing, what's going to be happening at this event. And that, I think, is what I've really missed. And when I say, you know, I went to my friend's back, back garden wedding over the weekend and I felt like myself again, it wasn't really about the outfit. I mean, the outfit helped, but it was about there being people there that I hadn't seen in, you know, the 18 months or whatever. And remembering that that's a big part of who I am is like being social and be, you know meeting people and talking to people and I, I guess I didn't realize how much I'd miss that so when I when I buy a dress or like a you know a, a cool outfit um 
I'm thinking about the time that I'm going to have in it um, and how I'm going to feel in it and how I'm going to feel when I meet people and when I chat to people. Um, so I think it's the fantasy of, of the whole thing, you know, that goes far beyond the actual outfit. Yeah, and especially given the experience we've all had over the last year and yeah. a half, even oh. small pockets of socialising were mm. gone. Yeah, and I think, you know, one thing that I've really realised is that we all have our kind of inner circle, our people who we speak to on a regular basis or who we're in WhatsApp groups with or, you know, the people who you manage to stay kind of connected to over the course of the pandemic. But there's the kind of second circle of your life who might be people that you meet at, for me, like at music festivals or at work events or, you know, with a certain friend, a friend of a certain friend. And, you know, just because you're not texting or phoning all the time doesn't mean that they're not important to you or that you don't really enjoy seeing them or that they don't make up an important part of your life life and that second circle I've really missed over the 18 months so yeah I think I think that's the the part of of coming back to normal that I'm most excited about (laughs) what aspect of your life has held or retained its value despite or in light of the past year and a half um I think my relationship with my husband has you know every relationship ebbs and flows and certainly during that first lockdown when we had the two kids at home that was so stressful and put so much pressure on us both of us trying to work both of us trying to adjust to the fact that there was a pandemic and that we needed to worry about this virus and then we also were worried about our kids not so much my younger because he was only one not even one actually when the pandemic you know happened but Sam was three my older son and he was upset and annoyed and he didn't understand why he couldn't see his friends he didn't understand why we couldn't see his grandparents or why we couldn't go anywhere you know he just kept saying I just want to go somewhere Um, and at first I think he really thought I was making it up and it was only when we would go for a walk and he noticed that everything was closed that he kind of went oh okay something is happening here and there was I was really worried about him and and that is another layer of kind of pressure and upset um so you know it was definitely really tough that first that first lockdown but then as time has gone on you know we've adjusted and I think in a way the two of us working together at home has really been great for us because when you know I feel like I keep saying this but when you have small kids you're so busy that you know you can spend an entire day together but not have an actual conversation because you're busy with the kids um but working from home together has meant that we've had time to, you know, have a coffee and have a chat or, you know, bounce ideas for work off each other or, um, you know, there's just a bit more breathing room for actual conversation. And I think that that has really stood to us. So I'm just very grateful that we've had that experience because I think, you know, a lot of people have found that the, the pandemic has really challenged their relationships and some people have come through it and are stronger for it. And then other people, I think, have found that they're not in the right scenario um so I'm I'm very grateful for that I think we're definitely stronger for the experience yeah and the working from home thing I mean was there any part of that that you learned a little more about each other well we work I kind of had been working from home really always um for well for a very long time like for 10 years and um, because I used to do a show where I didn't have a team so it was always just me on my own and I had literally only started my new show where I do have a team um in January um so I hadn't adjusted to having a place to go to work or any of the kind of actual working at work stuff Mm. so it wasn't a huge adjustment for me it was an adjustment to have everybody at home but like doing the work at home wasn't a big thing for me but I think it was it was harder for Gordon because and it is harder for Gordon because you know the work that he does he works in tv documentaries like you know there's a lot of 
back and forth and bouncing ideas off each other and stuff that that happens in the office that I think he misses and just general kind of day-to-day communication um but it's been pretty cool I think for us to you know I suppose we're each other's outlet now in terms of work situations or you know work frustrations or whatever the case may be um, and I suppose that's cool I definitely feel like I deserve a credit on the last couple of documentaries he's worked on <laughs> but no it's been it's been good I mean I, I used to work as a as a, I worked as a researcher in radio and in tv and a producer in radio so you know I've done the job that he does I know the frustrations that can happen and you know when things go wrong or you you book a contributor and they don't perform or you know all that kind of stuff I get it but we didn't really do a lot of that kind of chat before um, because there wasn't time, you know, and mm-hmm. um, so I think that's been really good, actually, to to understand more fully about the, you know, the challenges of each other's work and the joys and, and all the rest. What aspect of your life has gained value? Um, I think I think it's socialising. You know, I used to do a lot of it before we had kids and I still did a lot of it when I did have kids and you know I used to go to a lot of events for work I write about beauty so there are beauty events happen like you know if there could be a few a week um, and I couldn't go to all of them but I definitely went to them kind of fairly regularly and I had probably gotten to a point where I felt like I didn't not want to go but they felt kind of run of the mill I suppose whereas now I cannot wait (laughs) to get to an event where I get to see all my kind of colleagues who work in the industry in the beauty industry and you know catch up with them and it's all that kind of stuff like the catch up and the kind of you know being in each other's lives in a small way and supporting each other in in various ways you know I suppose I'm in a, a unique position because I had literally just started my new show as the pandemic took off but I mean I was so grateful to be able to go in and do that show every week um you know to have a reason to leave the house on a Saturday and Sunday morning and go and think about something you know think about other people entirely think about things that had nothing to do with me or my family it felt like a real escape and it also felt like a real privilege to kind of give people a bit of entertainment or a bit of distraction at a time when it was desperately needed and so I think my work just in general I probably appreciate a lot more as well um, the fact that you started something, you know, obviously it's, it wasn't completely new to you because you're such an experienced broadcaster, but like to start a new venture like that mm. um, at a time when there was so much global change. I mean, the plates were shifting everywhere. So yeah. what was that like for you? Well, I really like a challenge. <laughs> um, it was wild. Like I had to really try and click I suppose okay so my job in my opinion as a presenter of a of a show like the one that I do which is kind of like a magazine talk show my job is to inform entertain and 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 give useful information to people and that was what I went into the show with in my head but then it also became about distraction and about trying to lift people up and I didn't necessarily start the show with that intention but it was needed and so you know my job was to kind of connect into what people really need and some some weeks I felt like people needed an acknowledgement of the fact that we were going through something really tough and that it was okay if you were really struggling that that was fine and actually quite a normal response to what was going on and then other weeks I felt like they needed to not think about the pandemic at all so it was really about kind of trying to click in 
you know, you're always trying to click in as a broadcaster to what people want to hear, but like even more intensely, what do, what do the people who listen to this show, what do they need this week without over kind of stating my, <laughs> my purpose or my kind of my work? Like that was what I was trying to do. Um, and that felt, you know, really did feel like a, a great privilege. Um, and, and I, I feel very lucky actually to have been able to do the show in the way that I did over the course of the pandemic. And, you know, I, I actually wouldn't change it. I mean, I would change the pandemic, of course, but like I've no regrets about having that extra challenge in terms of trying to recalibrate the show on a regular basis to try and serve the listener. Like I would have been doing that anyway, but it definitely took it to the next level. You seem to have always been a really hard worker. I mean, reading your book, Fat Chance, and you talk about the things that you've been through in your life, um, Mm -hmm. your work has always seemed to have a real value for you. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's very important to me. It's a it's a huge part of my identity, but also I just have a real passion for it. Like I love radio. I love it so much. It's ever since I sat down in front of a microphone when I was in UCD, God, I don't know, 18 years ago, um, I felt like this is what I want to do. Um, And I've always wanted to do a show like this. So, you know, the last 18 years of work have been trying to get an opportunity like this. It it really has always been about, yes, I'll do seven days a week. Yeah, sure. I'll get up at five o'clock in the morning. No problem. I'll do an overnight. Like, you know, it was about saying yes to every opportunity to try and get myself to the point where, I felt like I could kind of say no and start to really kind of tailor my career to what I wanted it to be. And I feel very lucky that I'm kind of at that point now. Um, Now, as I say, there's still more I want to do. But yeah, I think, you know, initially, because I had quite a challenging background in terms of my family and, um, you know, didn't have the most straightforward childhood and didn't actually have the best kind of self-esteem, I think my work kind of initially was like trying to kind of counteract that and make give myself a sense of value um that I wasn't finding elsewhere um and now it's not that you know I'm good with myself now definitely um but I I definitely feel like through all of that I've learned so much that I can kind of use to to create good radio for people you know who want you know, whether it's just a laugh or a bit of entertainment or whether they want to kind of learn something new or whether they want kind of their experience acknowledged, because I think that's super important. And I don't think I'd be able to do that properly if I hadn't had all the stuff along the way to get me to the point where I am now. You mentioned in your book, when you were eight, you felt like you were about 35. Like you've had about (laughs) five lives. You've had unbelievable experiences, unbelievable challenges. You having cancer and the difficulties in your childhood, any of those things could potentially completely shift your perspective on life. Mm. How, and not to oversimplify this, but how has the past year and a half changed or has it at all altered your perspective given the already significant experiences you've been through? I kind of always have a hard time with questions like this because I am kind of like strong headed And I just am a person who puts, I put my head down and I just keep going. And I don't tend to reflect that much. So like after I had cancer, you know, I would have been asked lots of times by, you know, journalists or friends or whatever, like, you know, what did you learn from the experience? And, or what, you know, how has it changed you? And I never had an answer. (laughs) I never had an answer because at the time it was just about, 
I'm going to do what the doctors tell me and I'm going to get through this and then it's going to be over. And for me with the pandemic, that's that was the same thing. It was like, I'm just going to get through this and then it'll be over. And I think it's only now really that like, obviously we're seeing the variants and stuff and I'm starting to realize that there isn't going to be a kind of end to this, you know, you're we're like, we're probably not going to wake up one day and be given the all clear from the pandemic, you know, in the way that I was given the all clear from cancer or, you know, in the way that I was able to kind of create a, a safe family situation for myself and feel like, okay, that trauma is over. And that's an interesting thing for me to reflect on as someone who just kind of bulldozes her way through things and um, to kind of have to sit with it and, and, and accept that like, okay, life is different now and it's going to be different for quite some time. I, I think that's the thing. Cause I remember in the, in the early days of the pandemic, my husband saying like me saying to my husband, Oh my God, they're saying three more weeks. And my husband's saying three more weeks. It's not going to be three more weeks, Louise. Like this is going to go on for a long time. And I was furious. I was like, don't say that to me. I can't hear that. Like I cannot take that on board right now. I need to have in my head that this is going to be over. It took me a long time to get to the point where it was like, okay, no, this isn't going to have a, a finishing point. So you've got to find a way to exist within this. Um, and to accept that things are always going to change, whether it's a pandemic or something else. And you're going to have to just make the most of it rather than being frustrated about the fact that things have changed. What are you hardcore about? So is there anything that you've grown more passionate about, given the experience of the past year and a half? Yeah, like I at the root of kind of all the work that I do over the last I don't know. Well, certainly like, you know, I was doing a music show in radio, but outside of radio um, and then in my current show over the last kind of 10 years, I think has been the idea that we don't have anything more powerful as human beings than shared experience. And that, you know, if you are in a position to share your experience or your feelings or what's happened to you um, and you feel able to do it, that that's kind of the most powerful thing you can do because loneliness is I think just at the root of so much of our problems as a humanity um you know obviously world hunger and poverty and stuff bigger than that but you know for for lots of us it's loneliness you know and that's where hate comes from and that's where a lot of like you know really toxic things like racism and um you know homophobia like a lot of that really comes from people feeling alone and looking to connect with other people on some level and so i think that you know the most powerful thing that we can do is to try and share our experiences because all you need to do often is to hear someone else say something and to have that feeling of oh, yes that's exactly how i felt and it's so powerful it makes you feel so normal and so kind of heard and seen and so much less alone that it can be really like restorative and almost like a cure. And so I, I definitely feel like during the pandemic, we really needed that. We really needed to hear, you know, other people are upset too. Other people feel like they can't go on. Other people are worried about this. Other people are, all of that kind of lent itself to that feeling of community and that feeling of, you know, support. And like, you really weren't alone in it. And so I'm just more passionate than I ever have been about kind of making sure that that's what my work is about. That's what I want to do kind of with my life, as it were. What, you know, obviously to a certain extent with my own experiences, but I think people are kind of almost bored of them now. <laughs> but also to facilitate other people in sharing their experiences um, so that we can all just feel a little less alone, you know. And I think the more empowered you feel by hearing other people's experiences, the more empowered you are to share your own. And I just think it could actually do without kind of overstating it, it could really do like the world a, a lot of good if we were all a little bit more open. Well, that's it. You're talking about a shared experience. I mean, what we've all been through, 
has been a hugely a hugely shared experience whether it be mm. with your family with your partner with mm. your community globally mm. how do you think how do you think it will change us as a society if at all I think it's really hard to know because you know we tend to kind of think that we've had seismic shifts I think by big events in our lives and then often we don't like we might be impacted for a short time but eventually things go back to normal and so I really don't I really don't know that's the honest answer I really don't know but I think that I hope that you know people can connect to the fact that you know we all made huge sacrifices you know and at the end of the day those sacrifices were for ourselves but they were also for each other and that you know as Irish people at our very heart you know we really do want to care for each other and that we have more in common in that desire than we do you know have indifference in on any other matter you know um so I'd love to think we could hold on to that and to know that at the end of the day, we are a community in Ireland and, you know, we're a small island and we care for each other and we want the best for each other um, and that we can kind of maintain that feeling in our hearts when things become a little bit more divisive, whether it's politically or in any other way. But like, you know, that's basically saying you want world peace. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that's actually a good answer. Whenever you're talking, and you obviously have a massive tribe of people who who are really supported by you. Have you noticed over the last year and a half a difference in the people that are connecting with you? Um, there's been a difference in tone, to be honest. Like I have noticed um, things, things certainly were a lot more kind of touchy online. I think people were frustrated and fed up and they were kind of lashing out wherever they could. Yeah, absolutely. With that in mind then, has there been anything that has been raising your core temperature over the last year and a half? So anything that's made you particularly angry, it could be related to the pandemic or more generally? Yeah, like I'm pretty furious at the restrictions in the maternity hospitals. I find that really hard. It feels like a real disregard for the realities of childbirth and the challenges that women face within childbirth and also the role of men in their families and the role of men in their lives um you know like I just it it breaks my heart to think of the things the situations that women have found themselves in over the course of the last 18 months like I had two inductions with my children so I was you know in the hospital for days before they were born and they were some of the most challenging days of my life and I have my partner beside me throughout and they were still some of the most challenging days of of my life and I know that there are women whose husbands have missed their child's birth because it happened really quickly and I know there are women like me who were in there for days on their own um you know in excruciating pain and afraid um particularly when you have your first child you're so afraid anyway that like if you add in this unknown or this feeling of like you know will I have the support that I need I just can't even imagine how difficult that would be I really can't so I find that very difficult it just feels like another disregard for women around maternity in a long history of disregard for women and maternity so over the past year and a half who has been your most valuable player or players well my husband um definitely and then I suppose I'm lucky I have really really good pals um my friends um Emer and Fiona I have two two very important whatsapp groups <laughs> my friends Emer and Fiona and my friends Sophie and Jen Sophie and Jen have children um around the same age as mine and 
oh my god like that has just been a godsend just having somewhere where you can kind of go and scream into the void instead of screaming at your child is great <laughs> on the days that you manage not to scream um and then Emer and Fiona are just two two of my closest friends who you know have always been people who you know you know the friends who you can complain to and you might be being entirely unreasonable but they won't tell you you're being unreasonable until like two hours later when you've calmed down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like at the time they'll be like yes that's terrible that's awful what idiots and then two hours later they might be like hey I've been thinking about that <laughs> they're really proper good friends so yeah I don't know what I would have done without any of them I don't know about you but there's nothing quite like the bond of um having young young children yeah definitely like I found I had met Jen my friend um I had met her just by chance at like a pre-wedding workshop thing that I'd been at and I'd really liked her but like you know it, it it wasn't enough to kind of, it would have been a bit weird if I tried to pursue her as a friend afterwards, having met her just as a stranger at a wedding workshop. But then I met Sophie through work and uh, when Sam was three months old and she had a an older kid already. She had a, I think he was, I think Rufus was three and she had Ari who was about the same age as, as Sam. And oh my God, it was like a total life changer meeting Sophie, having someone tell me that like, you know, I remember being like, oh my God, I, I turned on the TV today and I like turned the, the baby seat around because it distracted him for 20 minutes and I feel really bad about it. And she was like, what are you talking about? She was like, that's totally normal. That's like, you have to get through the day, whatever you have to do to get through the day. She gave me permission to not be perfect, which was mm -hmm. what I was kind of putting myself under pressure to be. And then it just turned out that, that Jen was actually her like lifelong best friend. So the three of started hanging out and I honestly I would not I don't know how I would have gotten through those early days of parenthood without them okay so we've arrived at our final question which is which is a big one Louise McSharry mm -hmm. what is your <laughs> core value I should have thought about this before I talked about this <laughs> what is my core value my core value is acceptance I think in every way, um, accepting people for who they are and where they are, um, accepting myself for who I am and where I am, accepting a situation for what it is and where it is. Um, I think if you can manage to do that, you will live pretty happily. It doesn't mean that you, you can't improve things or make changes, but if you can accept things without judgment and without kind of negativity, um, I think you can live a, a pretty happy life. Wow, for someone who said they hadn't thought about that, that was incredible. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, it just came out of that conversation. Wow. Do you remember any particular point in your life where, where that acceptance showed itself to you? I think it's been in the pandemic, actually. Um, you, the pandemic forced me to kind of slow down and, you know, realise that you just can't change everything and that you sometimes do just have to accept things for what they are and you know my whole life I've I have had addiction in my family and the serenity prayer is the is the kind of prayer of recovery and it's God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference and I think 
that has never been far from my mind <laughs> whenever I'm in a moment of frustration or, um, you know, a time where you feel like you're going to have an absolute meltdown. That can be a real tonic. I'm not religious at all, but I think just the idea, you know, that you, you need to just accept what you can't change has always been there in the back of my mind. But it's definitely become, you know, really true in the pandemic. And in terms of people, I think, you know, definitely my family background and having addiction in my family always. Um, you have to kind of accept the challenges that people have and the baggage that they have themselves and their own past traumas and, and kind of really realize that, you know, everyone is doing their best that they can. And sometimes someone's best doesn't look like what your best would look like, but it is their best. And so I was kind of, I think, forced to to learn that and accept that very early on. And that's only grown, I think, as as time has gone on for me. A huge thank you to Louise for sharing her core values and thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate and review.